Welcome to Right Way Politics. We do politics the right way, the winning way, and we leave the left way behind. And presidential politics are cranking up. It's heating up. People are, <laughs> candidates are lining up. They're officially announcing. Polls are going crazy. And we have an interesting situation here, a historic situation with a former president running for a major party nomination and running for president and leading. And at this point, looks like the odds on favorite, but we've gotten a lot of people jumping into the race. Hi, this is Brian Kerwin, noted, successful political consultant based in Virginia. And we're looking at a, uh, a few polls right now. The Republican presidential contest is coming into focus. We've seen the official announcement of Governor DeSantis out of Florida. A few other announcements pending or just happened to see Tim Scott get into the race. Not really moving the numbers. If you look at the latest Iowa poll in uh, taken in mid to late May, you're seeing Trump with a huge 62% lead over the rest of the field. And DeSantis, who just did his first official Iowa trip as a candidate for president at 20%. Everybody else is in five or below land. Nikki Haley, uh, Mike Pence, who doesn't even look like he's going to make a run for it. Uh, Tim Scott at 3%. Really, it's a plus 42 for Trump in Iowa. And looking at, at even in the South Carolina polls for the, the vaunted South Carolina primary that comes on the schedule after Iowa, after New Hampshire, but before Super Tuesday, it's the lead-in to Super Tuesday. And Trump there with a 43% uh, total in the last poll that was taken about a week or two ago. Still a huge lead over Ron DeSantis, who is at 18. Nikki Haley and Tim Scott... 10% for Haley, 12% for Scott. Combined, their 22% goes ahead of DeSantis. And South Carolina is very close to Florida. they very familiar. But Trump is still ahead by uh, plus 25. And uh, Chris Christie could be in. Christie's getting a little bit closer to saying that he's in. I don't know where there's going to be room for all these people. And of course, Governor Youngkin in Virginia, is he or isn't he? He's doing that dance with the... Uh, with the press, with the media, with the political media, whenever he says maybe, he says maybe not. Everybody seems to be waiting to see if Trump falls, because if these numbers sustain themselves and Donald Trump stays way ahead, which isn't guaranteed, uh, you know, this is a long way before anybody casts a real vote. A whole lot can happen between now and the beginning of next year. But these leads are pretty insurmountable for Donald Trump, considering he's a former president. And I did a little looking. How many former presidents run for president after they leave office? And it's not many in the history of the United States. And uh, there really, it's been almost a century since somebody's tried it. Only six presidents ran uh, for all for president again after leaving office, either through being defeated or being term limited out. Martin Van Buren tried it twice after he left office. He won once, he was defeated for re-election, and then he was defeated four years later in his attempt 
to get the nomination of his party. And four years later, he was the nominee of a new third party and lost every time. Millard Fillmore was denied the nomination of his party and became a third party candidate uh, after leaving office, lost then to U.S. Grant, served two full terms, retired, term limited out of office, and tried to win the Republican nomination four years later, failed to do so. When you get into the 20th century, Teddy Roosevelt, of course, was term limited out of office after two terms and came back four years later with the famous Bull Moose Party after the Republicans refused to nominate him. Uh, he lost as a third party candidate, Herbert Hoover, after uh, he was defeated in 1932 election by uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He tried a number of years later to run for president again, tried to get the party nomination, failed to do so. So the only person that ever did this successfully, if you notice something common here, most of the people who've been president and tried to run to be president again after leaving office, their biggest roadblock is getting their own party's nomination. Many of these candidates failed to get renominated by the party that nominated them uh, for the presidency in the first place. And a lot of them were basically third party candidates of fringe political parties, really didn't have a chance of winning the Electoral College anyway. Grover Cleveland, Democrat, he won his first election. There a couple parallels and similarities here to Donald Trump. Grover Cleveland won his first election and it was very, very close, very, very close in a number of states. Cleveland actually won the popular vote, but not by much, by about a quarter of a percent. Was defeated in the general election. A lot of the close states that he won became close states that he lost when he was running for re-election, and he was lost. But four years later, he ran, got the nomination of his party to run a third time, and was uh, victorious and defeated the man who defeated him four years earlier. And this was, uh, and it wasn't even close. It was a landslide. So is this the key? If you look historically, it looks like the problem with presidents running a second time or running a third time, running after they have left office, their problem is getting a party nomination. Any, any, any president who has run after leaving office has lost because they failed to get the support of their own party. And the one candidate that did get the support of his own party actually won in the general. So if you're simply looking at history, if Donald Trump gets the nomination, history says he's got to be considered a favorite. Now, Donald Trump and Grover Cleveland don't have a lot in common beyond that statistical, historical comment. But seriously, if Donald Trump is going to fail, it's getting the Republican nomination that is going to be his biggest hill to climb. That is where most candidates fail. Most presidents who try to run after leaving office fail in getting a major party nomination. So, and it looks like when you look at the polling and you see all these candidates who are officially announcing or saying that they are strongly considering, you're seeing a whole lot of possibilities that Trump is going to revisit 2016 and have a giant, have a plurality, if not an outright majority, 
and have the anti-Trump vote split for a significant amount of time until this whittles down to post-Super Tuesday and when it's just two or three candidates. That was where everyone thought Trump was going to collapse in 2016. He did not. Everybody said Trump had a ceiling. He did not. And he went on to win not only the nomination, but the general election. There is one thing that's kind of uh, leaning in Trump's favor here. And that is, <laughs> and it's odd to say that this is in Trump's favor, but it is. But there is, and this has been replicated in many polls. I saw it first in an NBC News poll. 70% of America says Biden should not run. Over half of Democrats say Biden should not run. Now, you know a good chunk of them are going to vote for him if he is the nominee and he has announced that he's running. But that shows the Democrats aren't really thrilled with who, who they have leading their ticket. And of course, 60% of Americans say Trump shouldn't run. That's only a third of Republicans who say Trump shouldn't be the nominee. Here we have 70% of Americans saying Biden shouldn't run and 60% of Americans saying Trump shouldn't won, run. And there's definitely a cross-section of people within both of those camps that think neither of these should be the choices we want. So that's what I'm wondering. And especially if this election comes down to a handful of closely contested states, what will be the effect of third-party candidates? What will be the effect of a Green Party candidate or some kind of a third-party announcement for a candidate? Because it was a big, big impact, especially in some of these close states that were counting votes well into the next day, lo looking at possible recounts and things like that. If you look at 2016, the combination of Republican and Democratic votes was only 94%. So just under 6% of the voters chose somebody besides Trump and besides Hillary. Now, in 2020, the major party candidates got over 98% of the votes. There was hardly any votes for any third-party candidates. It was a COVID election. It was a pandemic election. And I think that kind of hindered people without the party structure, without the Republican nomination or the Democratic nomination from getting a real foothold in campaigning throughout the country or even in a significant number of states. And when push came to shove, there really wasn't any viable choice or any realistic choice for anybody to vote other than for the Republican or the Democratic candidate. So when you, you get less than 2% voting for independents or third-party candidates in 2020, oh, but three times that who cast votes for other people in 2016. And I got to believe that now that we're on the other side of the pandemic, 70% of Americans thinking Biden shouldn't run, 51% of Democrats saying Biden shouldn't run, a third of Republicans not wanting Trump, 60% of Americans not wanting Trump. I got to believe we're going to be closer to 2016 than we are to 2020 in people looking for someone other than Biden and Trump. And there are a lot of people who think that those Green Party votes really turned the table in some of those very close states and gave the election and at least a chunk of states uh, to Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton because some um, anti-Clinton supporters of voted Green Party instead of voting Democrat. So there's something to watch out for to see if anybody comes out of the woodwork to run third party or independent, which states they file in, and what kind of impact they get. They usually do better in polls than they do at the polls, but it's something to watch to see if 
I don't think with these kinds of numbers, with satisfaction of Biden as a candidate running for re-election and satisfaction with Trump running a third consecutive time, I'm not seeing that this is going to be a race with over 98% of the vote going for the major party candidates. It may be the time for a significant amount of votes going to a third party. Remember, you know, everybody points to the astounding numbers at Ross Perot, though I don't think he got an electoral vote, but he took a giant percentage of the vote, especially in key states. And it could make the difference between who actually wins and who doesn't in the way that the Electoral College is structured. So I'm uh, looking forward to that. Do we have a Grover Cleveland on, on our hand? Do we have a president who won a very close election to get in, lost a uh, somewhat close election to lose office in his re-election bid and coming back four years later and rolling to victory with the full support of his party. That's definitely Trump's plan. Uh, we've got other candidates in the field who are looking at being the best option if Trump collapses or if Trump somehow gets finally stained by a scandal or some criminal indictment or something that makes him either technically or in the public's mind uh, unsupportable for president. Uh, If something keeps Donald Trump from running for office, uh, they want to be there to pick up the banner or uh, or to fill the void. But looking at these polls, it's hard to see outside of a giant collapse how Trump avoids getting his party's nomination and taking it to the general election. That's it today with Right Wing Politics. This is Brian Kerwin. We'll see you and we hope you'll come back to the right way.